Hello and welcome to take two of this intro and this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I am joined by my handsome and corrective co-host, Dan. Dan, how you doing? I'm going to feel a good, a peek behind the curtain for our legions of fans there. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's good fun, mate. <laughs> Look, it's not the first time I've stuffed an intro up, but this one wasn't as embarrassing, so... No, it was good. I feel like we should have left it, but you know, everyone's wondering what we're talking about. But as long as we're having fun, I don't mind. No, that's it. Uh, look, speaking of having fun, the Sharks are back in the winner circles and Rugby League just is speaking to me again. Segway City, mate. I love it. Yeah, look, it's always always a bit happier when the Sharks win. And I've decided that this week is the last week where I'll be upset after a win. From now on, a win is a win and I'll be happy as Larry. Dan, talk to me. Why were you upset after the Sharks beat the Warriors 20 points to 12? Not, not upset, just not thrilled, you know. But um, being a Sharks fan, we've got to take these wins. And I've I've sort of let myself get into a, the results, not the be-all and end-all. It's more about the performance. But that uh, that's a rubbish attitude, and I, I apologise. But look, uh, look not, not the greatest performance, Terry, is where I'm going with this. But ultimately, two points, so win to win. Yeah, look, a win is a win, and, and unfortunately we're not the Melbourne Storm who can win by 30 points every week. But what we have shown, and we actually secured our first premiership by winning ugly. That's true. If, if you go back and look, if you go back to October the 2nd, 2016, it was a diabolical game. People turn around and say it was one of the best grand finals they've seen and one of the best games they've watched. I was bored shitless on replay. We took them into a dogfight and we won. That's all we do. That's what we do. And and for the the fact that we were able to go into this new era of Peter Volandi's ball with the six agains and take the Warriors into a dogfight, and the Warriors actually fell for our tactics, says more about us than them. Look, it certainly does. And to be honest, if you took the first half, where it's a very different conversation. I was over the moon with that first 40. <laughs> I think... The shark fan in me was, oh, here we go again. We've had played a good half. We've only got 40 good minutes in us. So the second half's going to suck. And it, it kind of did. But to our credit, we defended better this week than weeks gone by. So, you know, I'm going to stop looking for the negatives and for the positives. We won this week, Terry. Mm. Fucking good. There, there weren't too many negatives for me coming out of this game. And um, I have done, a, have done a little bit of stats for you. And look, you... Obviously, this this whole new era of rugby league is all about fatigue. But in the first half, we were completing at 91%, which is absolutely incredible. And the team that we were up against, the Warriors, were completing at 90%. Now, the Warriors have the best completion rates in the competition, and we're right down near the bottom. Um, And as you said, the second half was a little bit dire. But we still completed overall at 83%, which is not too bad for a Sharks game. Absolutely. Yeah, there were a lot of mistakes in the second half and, and a lot of the mistakes, it felt like we put ourselves under unnecessary pressure and there's a few things that you know, I really want to talk about in, in the fact of what's putting us under this pressure because it seems to be the same thing going over and over again and one of them is it doesn't matter what happens in our half if we get, you know, particularly if we get a scrum or a turnover on the fifth tackle and we have a play the ball, we still expect our backs to ruck it out. And guys like Connor Tracy, who weigh 50 kilos, taking the second and third hit up and just getting battered and losing the ball. Yeah, it's a very fair call. <laughs> there's, um, there's definite room for improvement, regardless of the, uh, the victory and the results. So I, I think we're pretty fair in saying that. Mm. Mate, just going back to the, uh, the completion rates, very, very good. You know, a couple of drop balls, you're going to get that, especially in this 
this game, especially being the Sharks and especially only playing three, in effect, reserves off the bench. But uh, look, the handling errors weren't really the problem. It was more that I wanted us to go on with it. Yeah. But you know, if you give me if you give me twenty four points every week, that's a damn good place to start. But you want to turn those twenties into forties. I wanted a Cowboys repeat the first time, but uh, getting a bit, um, yeah, got to calm down a bit there. I think. Yeah, look, when when the, the game started off exactly how I thought it was going to start off as well, and that was their big boppers making lots of metres up the field, getting them into, you know, uh, good areas of attack. But it also went how I thought it was going to go as well, with the Warriors not being able to create much. And it really showed that, you know, they are devoid of just throwing the ball to an 18-year-old kid and hoping he can do something. Um, I felt that they, they you know... As good as he's going to be, I still feel that, man, Roger Tuovasashek has to be their fullback. Yeah, in terms of this year, I definitely agree with that. Because there were times in that second half, even late in the first, where every time he touched the ball, he was breaking three tackles and looking like he was going to cause troubles. You know, it wasn't Reese Walsh's best game, which which is a good thing. And there'll be much, much to come in a monster career for the kid. But um, look, with what you said before, I think our bench offered impact, and I don't think theirs did. Yeah, look, we the the good thing about it is, and I went back and listened to our podcast again because it's just always full of gold, but I remember highlighting specifically that you and I said that we had to be in the game when Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge went off the field. It was 6-all when Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge went off the field, and at halftime, it's 20-6. to six. Game over. Yep. We knew. Yeah. Again, it's, just, uh, it's getting boring. It's yeah. been too good at football. Um. But what is scary is just how good those two were against us and how many metres they made. Yeah, it is. Fanua Blake, every time he touched the ball, he was dragging two or three defenders, which is... The guy's a wrecking ball of a human being, you know? like On and off the field. Well, it goes without saying. I hate him. I I loathe the bloke, and if he was to retire tomorrow, I'd be all the happier. Same with Matt Lodge. In terms of pure footballing skill... Yeah, look, they were two of the better players on field, but I think we went with them a lot more than I thought we yeah. would early on, and we shut them down late, which is a, a huge credit to, to Aiden Tom and Toby Rudolph, and to a much lesser extent, Aaron Woods. And Jack Williams played very, very well in the middle too. Yeah, speaking of Rudolph, he took a couple of hit-ups in the opening exchanges of the game and got smashed. And some of those shots, I was like, man, he was taking a second hit-up in that set, saying, I'm not, I'm not afraid to run this ball. 169 metres from Toby. Um, it seems like his offence is not the issue. It's still... He's playing too many minutes for my liking. He's still getting lazy around the ruck. He's still huffing and puffing and throwing out a lazy arm and, you know, missing some tackles. And I just feel if we cut his minutes down from 60 to 40, you'd get more impact out of him. Absolutely agreed. We say it every week. That Harati spot, you know, worked out okay for the Ronaldo HIAs, I'm sure we'll touch on. But if that's a Jets prop coming in for 10, 15 minutes and giving Toby that extra refs, not only getting that impact, but you're also getting 10 minutes more of Toby and 10 minutes less, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because and I think he's a 45-minute, 50-minute player tops. There's an easy fix to that is play Aiden Tolman the more minutes because Aiden Tolman can do it. You know, yeah. that guy's a machine. Like, he can play 80 minutes. That's the, the, you know, even at 32, he can do it. That's just the, that's the type of footballer he is. And that's, you know, 
you know, 20 minutes or 80 minutes, you're going to get the same impact from Aiden Tolman. You're going to get someone who's going to clean up the ruck and, and make his metres. And, and, you know, you can, you can do that or, you can, as you said, you can have someone like, you know, Royce Hunt maybe coming back into the team when he's f- fully fit. I want to throw up Daniel Vasquez. He's yeah. a perfect 10, 15-minute impact player. And yeah. we can play him now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, there's there's so many, you know, there's so many alternatives that we can have on there. I just think that, you know, Toby does have a reputation of being a really good footballer, and he is, but I think we're just we're expecting too much out of him. You've got to remember, he's still in his second year as well, and he was a late bloomer. Spot on. Yeah. 100% agree, mate. But um, definitely not having to go at Toby. Maybe mm. a few errors this week, but... Yeah. Um, you know, definitely not the worst player on the park, and I think he, the way he held the monster middles for that that Warriors team were really good. Before we move on, though, I never thought I'd say this, but I want to I want to single out Britton Nakora. Yeah. Since moving back to the bench, he's been twice a footballer in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was good again. He's named to start, but I don't think he will start. I think Talakai will come back into the side. But there's one one thing with Nakora that you can never ever you know have a go about is his defense and some of those some of the hits he was putting on around like you know Fanua Blake's running at him and he's just chopping his legs yeah yeah he, he looks real good I think he's had a fire lit under him too because yeah. I think in terms of like Wade Graham's obviously went fit as our top second row but I dare say Teague Wilton's probably number two now after his last last month of football I still think Talakai's a middle but I like starting him especially against the bigger packs and then putting Nakora on an edge and bringing Talakai back into the middle. I think that, you know, um, you know I'm loath to, to talk too highly of Josh Hannay, but uh, I think he's really made a, a really good call dropping him to the bench, and I hope it, I hope it continues this week. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I like some of the decisions that Hannay has been making recently, you know, um, rotating the, the edges, getting Teague Wilton into the starting lineup, releasing Chad Townsend. So, obviously, we know that he is a great coach, but... I I I think that I think that he's got a very specific and genuine game plan. My issue with Hane's style of coaching is that once we fall behind or once that game plan becomes, you know, too easily read, there's no there's no plan B. There's no option B or option and we said that about Bomber last year as well on our podcast. And it feels like, you know, Hane's making better decisions and better and it, you know, he's getting a lot out of the players, but yeah, I just feel that we're a very, you know, we can be a very, very one-dimensional team, and we're seeing that without Matt Moylan being that link-up person. I was going to say, Will Kennedy's not gone missing. Yeah, I think he's played pretty well in the last few weeks, but he's not the attacking threat he was before Moylan's injury. Now, I really, really liked the performance from Braden Trindle on, you know, in the last two games as our as our six. I wouldn't mind him having the seven on his back, but there's there's no difference. But I tell you what, Trindle can throw a ball to Connor Tracy for a try. He certainly can, two weeks in a row in that. I mean, he ran through it. It was a pretty big gap. But the quality of the pass mm. led to the gap. Because oh, yeah. if that's you know, not spot on, then Connor's got to jig and beat Reese Walsh instead of having a, a, a chauffeur run to the line. Mm. And then back up and score. Yeah. You know, create the overlap, take it upon himself to bust over. And he did it easy. He's a I strong thought, little player, isn't he? Certainly was. I thought perhaps that he should have given the ball, but with the ease he put the ball down, I'm like, well, if you can run that hard, fucking go for it. Yeah, it's, you know, and you're starting to see now why he was coming on and playing in the middle because he can defend. By God, he can defend. I tell you what, having no crowds, 
you can actually hear the hits now, and it's it's fantastic. And some of the some of the times that those big bodies, like um, what's his name, uh, Ben Murdoch Masilla, ran at Trindle one on one, and I was like, man, this is going to be a twenty thirty. No, Trindle got him. He's um, he's a lot big. He plays bigger than he is. But yeah. That way, I'm really liking what I see from Trindle, and by far, he's he's not the finished product yet. No. But there's a fucking good footballer in there. Are you happy with him being our seven next year? I've been calling for Trindle as our best option that we currently have. Mm-hmm. If we don't sign anyone else, then yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I would still be looking. To bridge that, I feel like he's a year away. And I'm happy, you know, Connor's going to play 14, obviously, but you put him in that role, and I, perhaps he's better suited to it. Doesn't I don't, have the utility. I don't think Connor's going to play 14. I think Connor's going to be our centre next year. Well, he's been named there again this week, obviously because Chambers is out serving his second week of, of quarantine. But, um, look, if he learns to pass right to left, he can play centre. Because that, by my counts, the fourth try is bomb with a forward pass that, didn't really need to be thrown. Yeah, or, I mean, it, it could have been a better quality of pass. But I'm sure, you look, he's played, what, four games of centre in his life now? You know, you learn to live with it. Uh, you know, again, he's not the finished product either. And if, if he's going to go from, you know, being a halfback to a 5'8", to a fullback, to a, a utility, to a centre, you know, oh, to a winger as well, you're probably going to have to um, expect that there's going to be some flaws in his game. And I know people turn around and say, but he's a, he's a half growing up. He should be able to throw those passes. There's a big difference being the first and second receiver from being a centre having to catch and pass to a winger. So let's cut him some slack. The good thing about Connor Tracy is he's hit double-figure tries this year. That's so, fantastic. Something at the beginning of the year, I didn't think Connor Tracy would be our leading try scorer. No, I didn't think he'd play 10 games, to be totally honest, at the start of the year. But, mm. mate, you can't... He, there's a spot there. You have to find it. He's mm. been in such good form, and he's done everything we've asked of him. Yeah, yeah. Not catch me saying too much negative about Connor Trace. No, there's the, the and you know he's he's probably pretty unlucky. The the fact that Will Kennedy started the year on fire and has been super consistent because I think Will Kennedy's been our player of the year and, and should rightly be named our player of the year. But geez, Connor should be nipping at his heels at the moment. Um, yeah, look, at the beginning of the year, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I. There were times where I didn't think that Connor Tracy would be on our bench. I thought we might go with the four forwards. You know, I thought Connor Tracy's going to have to be the one to put pressure on Chad Townsend to try and get that seven spot when, you know, Johnson comes, if Johnson didn't come back or, you know, form a side or whatever. And, yeah, he's just, he's proven to be a really, really handy player. You put him on the wing, he scored a bucket of tries. We've put him in the centres, he scored two tries now. He's defended really well. So, again, he was another one that the Warriors decided that, they were going to put some shots on him every time he ran, and they were going to run some big bodies at him, and he didn't shy away from that challenge. No, he didn't. I think he's the only the only negative play he was involved in was perhaps his last hit up, where he dropped the ball when the game was was, was won in all, all respect. But um, mate, Sean Johnson. Now I've seen people come out and say he was by far the best player on the field, and I've seen people come out and say he was in the bottom couple. Now, on zero tackle, I gave him man of the match for us. I thought, if you take Johnson out, we don't win. Because the way he just bodied the Warriors in that first half, made them tackle back to back to back to back, that they had nothing in the second half, and they didn't have the power to come over, the energy. The other blokes in the 5-4-3-2-1s, two of them didn't even have Johnson in the top five. Hmm. What's you make of the performance? I, I said it on um, I've said it online in, in a couple of places. We don't win that game without that Sean Johnson performance. However, it was far from perfect. 
he, he barely ran the ball. Now, I understand that his kicking game, his short kicking game particularly, getting the, what, six. It was I think he got a season-high seven restarts in one game or something. It was phenomenal. And and some of the kicks, you know, their forwards were racing up on him. Or um, was it Wade Egan was, you know, making it his mission on the fifth tackle to race off the line and get to Sean Johnson. So he, you know, he didn't have that time. He had to quickly drop the ball and stab it in the end goal. And as we have seen with, with Sean in the past, he is capable of kicking the ball to Carlton. But he had that. He, you know, I'll say this for Sean. He played the perfect wet weather game. He didn't chance his hand. He didn't throw any bad passes. Um, yes, he, he relied a lot on the ruck, and he did turn our forwards on the inside. But what you don't want to do is get that game for Sean Johnson where he tries to throw that ball and it goes out on the you know goes out behind play and hits the ground because on a wet track you know if you've got to dive on that ball you just become a piece of soap and you're over the sideline so i thought he controlled the game really really well but then there's other parts of Sean Johnson's game where you know you wish that he took the line on and and I hate to agree with Brayton Astor, but on on Fox he was calling for Johnson to take the line on because they knew he was going to turn the ball inside, they knew he was going to kick the ball on the fifth tackle. You know, a couple of steps here or there wouldn't have hurt. Um, I think he played really well to let Braden Trindle open the game up a little bit as well, and I think that's what got the try and the try assist. I gave Sean Johnson my man of the match because, like you said there. If he doesn't play, if he pulls out and there were rumours that he wasn't going to play that game, if he doesn't play, we don't win. Yeah, I agree. I think I had Trindle as my second best, which um, a couple had him as the player of the game. I thought he was fantastic. Again, not the finished product, but you're not going to get those finished product games out of a kid playing his 10th or 12th game. And in, in theory, he's only really played five or six, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I just made, I thought his kicking game when called upon was real good. I think his running game has improved a lot. And his confidence, yeah. because he's making those tackles, and I think in attack he's like, I can run through these people. Yeah, and we I, certainly didn't see that from our six and seven earlier in the season. So yeah, I mean, I, I, look, if Moylan's fit, Moylan plays with Johnson. But whilst Trindle's there, I'm not too disappointed. No, look, I, I, I mean, I can't really pick between Toby Rudolph and Aiden Tolman for, for the two and the one. I thought Connor Tracy was really good as well. I was pretty disappointed with Blake Braley again. He seems to catch the markers out of dummy half but not back himself to run and get through that gap. I don't know if he's carrying a niggle or, you know, he's just terrified of that Warriors pack as I was because even still on my on my TV, they just looked enormous and I wouldn't want to run at them either. Um, there was something that, was, that really caught my eye was – the amount of missed tackles, you know, we, we made 28, the Warriors, made, you know, oh, sorry, we missed 28, the Warriors missed 21. That's a low count for how wet that game was. Yeah, that's yeah. fair talk. And there was a lot of those, I mean, the missed tackle count's probably the most misleading stat in the game, that tackle breaks. Because you got guys like David Fafita who run sideways and palm five guys off. Mm. That's five tackle breaks. But really, he's made two metres. Yeah. It's, it's a stat that doesn't matter. I, our first contact on the weekend was really, really good. There were some tackles that we fell off. But, you know, you got, you got to cop that with a fairly young young side missing some cattle, you know. But look, 20, 28 or whatever you said, that's... I mean, you lock that in every single week, yeah. especially in that condition, especially against that fucking monster pack too. Because four or five can fall off one run. Yeah, considering uh, when we played the Panthers last year and they put 50 on us, I think we missed about 89, 80 to 90 tackles in that game. So, you know, if you're coming up against the Warriors forward pack, that is a 
you know, that's a top eight, borderline top six forward pack. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week, especially in those yeah. conditions. Um, what, one of the, the the alarming thing for me though were the the meters. Now it says on here we made. 1,675 metres, the Warriors made 1,570 metres, but the Warriors also had 30 less runs than us as well, and they were only behind by 105 metres. That pack. Seriously. If I was if I was a half and New Zealand wasn't a shithole, I would love to play behind that. I look, that's a fair call, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but uh, I don't necessarily disagree either. 100%, mate. If they had a better half on the weekend... They're, I mean, it sounds stupid to say that there are heats better shot at winning. I thought Nakora played okay. Nikarima, you mean? Nikarima, rather. If you put Jerome Hughes behind that pack, that that's fucking alarm bells every time he touches the ball. They are monsters. And even though we were tackling, you know, pretty well by the missed tackle count, the ability just to get up, play the ball, and go again and again and again. Also, like, oh, I'm happy we got out of that one. I'll, I'll flip this. That forward pack with Sean Johnson getting those repeat sets, they probably win that game by about 50 because we would just be so tired from having to come after those monsters. Yeah, that's a fair call. I mean, we, I think Hannah actually used the bench pretty well other than Narotti in that he kept rotating the right players, you know, give or take with Toby a bit. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm really happy with how our pack went, but it does show that we do need to improve in that aspect if we're going to, you know... Yeah, the big boys look, I, I saw some people online saying that it was great to have Herodi on the bench because you never know if you're going to get a back injury. Mate, that's what Talakai and Nakora are there for. That's what Teague Wilton's there for. You know, we had Jack Williams playing in the centres and play one of his best games of first grade footy. Like yeah, we've, you can't, we can't play with an injury as no, a reason to pick we, a team. We've got the versatility there. Like, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer to, especially in this, you know, where we're trying to bring fatigue back. Like, have your four forwards... Give one guy 10 minutes if you have to. And, you know, that's a valuable 10 minutes for someone like Toby Rudolph. It's spot on. If you're going to pick a team based on injuries, Connor Tracy, no matter how good he is, is going to be 14 every single week because he can cover so many positions. Yeah. Picking Harati makes zero sense. It worked out very well. Sheer luck, but I'm still not sold. But, I mean, I don't even think Harati touched the ball. No, he just filled in a wing. I think he made two tackles or a tackle or something. Yeah, he was on, he was on the field for like one try and then he was back off. Yeah, I know he was in support because I thought I'd give it to Harati because, you know, <laughs> I want him to score a try because it'd be great for the story. But no, I don't, I don't remember him putting in too many metres, that's for sure. No. But good on him. He, yeah. got, he got his match payments. Before, before we uh, talk the news, there's just one player at the moment who's really dividing my opinion on him because... He's great and he's terrible all in one, and that's Jesse Ramian. 153 metres, 12 tackle breaks, incredible defence, and great cover defence. But he's ball security. I mean, did you not learn anything from getting bodied by Tyson Gamble? You make a half break again and you're carrying the ball with one hand. You get belted and drop the ball. It's deja vu. Two weeks in a row, mate. Exactly as you said. You can't enjoy good things with Ramin just yet. So he makes a break, you know he's going to lose the ball. You know, it's yeah. just look. I love he's, we yeah, we he's love true. you, Jess. We need Ramin fire. Yeah. yeah, we love you, Jess, and thanks for listening. But hold the fucking ball, mate. Um, Dan, let's talk some news. So the majority of the NRL has been sent to Queensland, and we're in a bubble now. 
there's a couple of players that haven't gone up. Aaron Woods, um, his wife is pregnant. Congratulations for getting roots, Aaron. We're, we're all about that on this podcast. Uh, Wade Graham's not going up because he's still showing concussion-like symptoms. And we've elected not to take Josh Dugan with us. Thoughts? That comes across as a culture thing, rightly or wrongly. I think they've gone up there with a uh, business-first mentality, which they should, and I, with all due respect, as much as Dugan's been fantastic for us and in his career, club and country, I don't think he's he's the influence that you need. He's already broken protocol once. You know, he hasn't got the track record of a bloke you can sort of send up there and be sure he's going to not misbehave. So I think that was a uh, smart decision. And look, in all, in all honesty... There's no way that Josh Dugan, six or seven injuries aside, makes back into that side. I think they showed their hand by naming Luke Metcalf as the reserve the other day that if something happens, he's going to see some game time. Jackson Ferris is supposedly running again and not too far off. Uh, look, I think they're all above him in the pecking order. I think he's played his last game. Yeah, I don't think we'll see Dugs again. and I think it does show a pretty stern message from Josh Hannay that this bubble, like this COVID bubble is very serious. It was either that or shut the competition down. That's 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 how close it came. And all the clubs had to agree, you know, despite Josh Robbo thinking that the world was against Penrith. Um, all the clubs agreed that they had to go to, to Queensland. And Which sucks. I, yeah, it does. And I think... Uh, Queensland sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, awful, awful state, awful rugby... Yeah, awful origin team. Um, fuck off, Dan. Um, <laughs> but I think I think Hane showed that you know if we're going to be serious about this bubble and keeping the game um, afloat and alive and getting the competition finished, then he doesn't want a bloke who's just been fined twenty five grand for going out and having a meal after he's been told to stay at home around the club, and especially when. You know, in that 30-man squad, we're taking your Metcalfs, we're taking your Jensen Tomopias. Now, it's a really disappointing conversation to have because only a few months ago, we were talking about the positive impact that Josh Dugan had been having on the squad. And then you go back to when we went to Papua New Guinea in the preseason last year and how he was incredible and, and you know, he was so good for the culture. And now you're talking about him in a negative light. It's probably not the way that, you know, you want him to finish his Sharks career, but I'm going to say we're never going to see him again. Well, mate, he's got only himself to blame for that. Yeah, he does. What he did wasn't the end of the world, but we're we're in a situation now where if he gets sick and brings it back because the three or four Cronulla players, we're out of the comp. Yeah. The whole thing shuts down. Like, it's on a knife edge, so there can't be those stupid factors. And, I mean, in terms of... I haven't seen Josh Dugan complain. You know, I I think he's looking for a a gig elsewhere. I think he's smart enough to to not do that. So, I, mate, it, it is a shame because... Dugan's done some wonderful things for Cronulla, but as a person, he had matured massively. But, yeah. I mean, this ain't fucking tiddlywinks anymore. We've got to get serious. And I, I think, in all honesty, you play these kids, you give them a game because Dugan's not going to win the game anymore. Yeah, look, I, I don't... You know, again, it's it's disappointing that we we are talking about that. But you know, you talk with Josh. You're talking about a guy who has still been out in the community when he was allowed to be. After he got dropped, he was still going around doing all his charity, going visiting all the schools, and holding himself as the ultimate professional. A lapse in judgment, going and having that meal, has cost him his Cronulla career, and I'm going to say probably his chance at an NRL gig. It's either going to be the Super League or Rugby Union for Dugan, which is a shame. Um, let's talk about someone else on the flip side who took his 
COVID uh, outside the bubble very serious. And that's Will Chambers, man. Sat in his car for eight hours before he got word from the NRL. That's the kind of player that we want. Oh, that was insane. And if he wants a contract next year, I think he's just earning. Mm. Play, played okay, you know. And then to do that, I mean, there's one player you didn't expect before this year to be hear that story about. It's Will Chambers because we, we were trained to hate him as Cronulla fans. But, mate, I mean, he was getting fed salad wraps and, you know, in his car waiting for the word. And for the NRL to take that long just shows, you know. This is fucking serious stuff, and I commend him. And I'm not blaming him for bursting the bubble either. He went. It's not like he went for a fucking drink with mates. He went and saw his kid being born. And, I mean, if he was to stay in Melbourne for a couple of weeks, you can't begrudge him that. So so I've, I've now heard the story that he's back in Melbourne because he's in his COVID bubble. So he's asked the NRL ex- an exemption to go down to a part where there's zero COVID in Victoria. And he has been named in our squad to go up to Brisbane now there was a report in the paper saying that Will Chambers was that committed to making sure that he could get back into the Cronulla team that he was going to drive in the car by himself a 48-hour or 40-hour trip from where he is in Victoria all the way up to Brisbane. Dedication. Will, have a look online, though. There's zero cases in Victoria. There's zero cases in Brisbane. Just get a plane, brother. Yeah, that's, that's the way. <laughs> the only re- to drive, though. Yeah, the only the only reason that he got put in the bubble is because he was at Sydney Airport. Yeah, I know. For a couple of minutes too. It's not like he went in there. Yeah. He, you know, like, oh mate, oh, I'm real. I feel real bad for Will because he's been playing really well and he he put every effort in he could. Yeah, look, and it just I th- you're right. You know, as Sharks fans, when he was at Melbourne, we were trained to think that. Cameron Smith was the biggest grub ever, and Will Chambers was, you know, chomping at his bit for that, um, for that mantle. But since he's been at Cronulla, we're just hearing nothing but professionalism. He's still a prick on the field, and I love him for it. And he's he's, he's probably going to make my all-time favourite Shark team. But mate, for what he is about off the field, like it's just, it's unbelievable. Commendable, Will. Thanks. Yeah, and it's the same Thanks. same now. Woodsy, um, his missus is apparently being induced tomorrow, um, two weeks early, so that way they can have the baby and Woodsy can drive to Brisbane. The NRL has told Aaron that he can't go from Sydney Airport. He's going to have to drive. So, um, look, that's a big sacrifice from Aaron getting twenty four hours with your new baby and then you know having a drive. So. You know, that that's the type of story that I want. Now, the type of story about Aaron Woods that I'm not liking at the moment is the fact that we might release him this year um, to either Parramatta or Manly. Now, it's okay for Woods, you know, because he's going to go to one of those clubs that are going to go deeper into the finals than we are probably, but Aaron Woods is still a pretty handy footballer. What are your thoughts on releasing Woods early? Well, I would have thought if we had Fafita banging the house down or Frank Pelle was fit and wanted to play big minutes then okay, you move Woods on and you push the players up. There's no one ready to step up into that spot at the moment, you know? And, like, I'm... I'm it's going to sound bad, but I'm happy we haven't offered him a contract next year. I think he's, he's past his best, and I don't think there's a spot for him next year. But in terms of this year, I, I can't see anyone ready to sort of step up, and I see nothing in... Unless we can bring someone in to cover him, like maybe we bring to Power Cross early or, or something, for instance... But I just don't see a real positive for releasing him. And, unless, of course, it, it gets him a this-year and two-year deal. I feel like that's, we might owe him that. 
But in terms of pure football, nah, don't, don't release him. That's you know. Yeah, my, nah. my 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 chain of thinking is if he is going to Manly, there would be some kind of swap there for Tapao because Tapao's been offered to St George. So I think that there there might be some pull there, but. I, I would be really worried if we released Aaron Woods now and we didn't have anyone that we could possibly bring over. You know, it's it's not as if that we've gone and signed Isaac Liu for 2022 like we thought we were going to do and you might negotiate with the Roosters and say, we'll release him early. You're not going to win a comp. We're not going to win the comp. Just give him to us early and we'll get rid of Aaron Woods. This is now a case of we're battling for that eighth spot you know, the Dragons have screwed themselves for the next four weeks, so we can potentially cement ourselves, and the teams around us for the next couple of weeks have got some pretty difficult games. I don't know if I'm getting rid of a, a handy footballer who can help us. If it's, you know, if if Woodsy wasn't playing each week, I'd be, I w- I'd be more than happy to let him go, but he starts for us, and that's their pretty big shoes to fill. It's true, and it's not like he's on 800k and we're sort of paying him and it's stopping us from bringing someone in. Like, I feel like there has to be a reason to release him. Otherwise, I wouldn't even really be considering it, to be totally honest. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm out there thinking that hopefully we're going to release Aaron Woods and have a sneaky play at Tavita Pangai Jr., but I don't think that's going to happen. Look, probably not, but, mate, you know, you can't say no to these things. It's no fun. As <laughs> um, a potential, you know, place for Aaron Woods to land... Hey, to me, you know, the way that he's portraying himself in the media saying I'm, I'm probably past my best, but I've got a lot more to offer and, you know, I've got a couple of years, I'm a pretty good squad player. He's banging on for a Melbourne contract. Yeah, you're really me up. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's, he's, li- he's literally saying you did it with Jermaine Lowe, you did it with Brian Norrie, you've done it with Nate Miles, come and do it with Aaron Woods. <laughs> Yeah, come, come and get me, boys. Hey, look, that's a cool. I, I hear he's on his way to either Newcastle or back to the Tigers, just softy, uh, or very much on the record. But, uh, look, him in Melbourne, yeah, look, if anyone knows how to use Aaron Woods, it's... Oh, I, I thought I thought Buzz Rothfield was saying that it was uh, between Parramatta and Manly. The, the Tigers had absolutely no interest in Newcastle, weren't even sniffing around. That was the mole, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, but Buzz had that as well. Buzz was the first one to release the thing about Manly a couple of weeks ago. I gotcha. Well, maybe, maybe there's something there. Then. I don't know. Yeah. Something old, cracking Yeah, fair. He blocked me the other day as well, so good times. Well, you probably deserve it. Dan, we played the Canberra Raiders this weekend uh, in a game where if this was played down in Canberra, I'd be a little bit nervous. It's up in Queensland now in front of no fans. I'm okay. I'm feeling pretty good. They're, they're not... I was actually nervous earlier because I thought, oh, Canberra, you know, and you think of all the times they've beaten us down there. And then I remembered that it's at Seabus. And then I had a look at their side. And I'm not, um, man for man, they don't, you know, I don't know how many battles we lose. Yeah, who have they named at fullback? Uh, that Xavier Savage kid. Yeah, so, so, good. so they've, got, they've, got a, they've got a rookie out there. Is Jared Croker playing? Uh, I believe so. Yes, that's where we run all. So Rami, we yeah. give Rami in a hundred touches. That's fine. Um, Hold on. Look, they've they've got they've got three forwards who you know deserve our respect, and that's Josh Papali'i, um, Joe Tarpany, and uh, Elliot Whitehead. Is um now the, the talk is that Papali'i may rest. Well, be very nice. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, they've got the origin the origins on Wednesday and we play Saturday at three o'clock. I can't see him resting. Especially with Canberra's season on life support. I can't see him resting. That's fair call. I know they did put someone on the bench in that Papa may come back. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, look, M.A. Goula, you know, a handy footballer at best, but I don't, I don't fear him. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I've, I've been on record, as I don't even know if he's playing, but Denarimus Louie is an absolute mean footballer. It's probably the game of his life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think him being in the Queensland side last year that we lost to is the ultimate insult. So I don't want to be in a losing side with him playing this week. Yeah. But in terms of 17, mate, hopefully Jack White doesn't come good because, the, I mean, Sam Williams shouldn't bust us open. Yeah, well, Sam Williams did kill the Sea Eagles. He did. His opening 25 minutes were diabolical. And I was just about to tweet he's the worst player in rugby league, and then he had a bloody 15 minutes of all-time greatness, so... Yeah, look, I think this is this is another game as well where if we can control Canberra's middle forwards, we're in this game. If we can build the pressure that we you know that we know we can. And one of the things that I was impressed about with Sean Johnson, and I know we, we spoke about him at length before, but in that game, Sean Johnson said, we don't have to score off every play, let's build some pressure. And if we get that again, what that does is it shows exactly what we did to the Warriors, it wears them out, and in the second half, they didn't have enough to get over us. If we can match it with Canberra's forwards, Aiden Tolman, Toby Rudolph, Aaron Woods can have a great opening 20 minutes, um, lay a platform for Trindle, who's only going to grow in confidence in Sean Johnson... I'm pretty confident we can win this game. They don't have a lot of, you know, they're not going to beat us in aerial threats. Um, Jared Croke is a scrub. Sebastian Chris is pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we can we can take the two points from this game and push ourselves, you know, in you know back into the eight comfortably and not have to worry about teams nipping on our heels because there are some some teams playing, you know, some teams that are just behind us. Um, playing uh, some really good football sides and, and probably the best one to note is Newcastle playing Melbourne this weekend. Well, there you go. Put that down. Yeah, we did lose to Canberra earlier in the year. In diabolical conditions. I think we're a better side yeah. because there's no Chad Townsend, obviously. Um, we now have two better place kickers that will convert those if it comes down to that. Things crossed, hopefully. I don't think Canberra as good as they were at the time and the tries that they scored came off fucking ludicrous errors on our behalf where we threw passes wouldn't jump on the ball they scored on half time we could never get momentum back can't see that happening again so look there's not too many players in Canberra that scare me obviously I mean that savage kid is so talented I've seen him you said last couple of games open hopefully we're better than that but you know Josh Hodgson's not what he was Jordan Ruppin is not what he was you know I, their bench worries me a bit because I think Tappan is the sort of player that I would sign tomorrow for Cronulla and him coming off the bench is an insult in Canberra with the, the rest of that pack the way it is. I think it's a fast period of pretty much all of them. Harawira Naira worries me. And Elliot Whitehead, if he can get over that, you know, closed eye he had the other week, also worries me. They're, they're the three, though. And if the three you're worried about are forwards, I think that puts us in good stead. Yeah, I think I think we'll I think we'll get the biscuits. One thing Will Kennedy loves playing against the Raiders as well, so um, I'm going to put Will Kennedy to uh, to bounce back and, and score a try. He's on a bit of a drought at the moment. Um, yeah, I think we win this game. I think we win this game. You know, sort of twenty six sixteen kind of game. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Saturday three o'clock. Yeah, bring it on.
should be fine, mate. Yeah, what's our record like, 3 o'clock? Because I only remember us playing there once this year and losing to the Bulldogs, so... Uh, that was 5 o'clock we played the Bulldogs. Oh, was it? Well, there you go. Fuck it. Doesn't matter then. <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we've played a three o'clock game this year. I, I couldn't tell you. Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll say we're O from O. Yeah, whatever. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Dan? Anything else tickles you fancy? Oh, mate, lots. Nothing we can discuss here. No. But, uh, yeah. Make sure you guys uh, check out Rugby League Outlaws. Like and subscribe to Punch Media. The more of me and Dan that you see, the better your life will be. And as always, hail Matt Moylan. Hail Matt Moylan.